When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Now premiering on the Studio DNA Network, Sif Pop Writers Room, a new show consisting of the writers of SifPop.com. On a rotating basis, we'll be discussing some classic movies we're watching for the first time, some comic book movies, some nostalgic movies, and what TV shows we're currently watching. But each week, we'll also be taking a look at the movies that are coming out soon and give our thoughts on how we think they will turn out. If you love movies, Sif Pop Writers Room is the place to be. So come on in and we will pull up a chair for you. Do you like sports? Cause we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Shack. Sports Shack. It's Sports Shack. Welcome to episode 262 of the Sports Yak podcast. Oh, you mean the Jean Sebastian Giguer episode? Jean Sebastian Giguer. Outstanding goaltender with. A number of teams best known for his work with the Anaheim Mighty Ducks of the National Hockey League. He won 262 games. He won the Conn Smythe Trophy in 2003. He won the Stanley Cup in 2007. All of this despite having this rare gastric condition where his body takes in too much air when he drinks fluids. So he has difficulty absorbing water had to have a water bottle with a specially fitted straw when he played. He's John Sebastian Jigger. <laughs> Family Broadcasting Corporation. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever! I saw a tweet of a pregame little speech rally cry from Mitch Trubisky last night. And uh, I don't know if you could have gotten a bigger eye roll from me. I was just kind of like, I was waiting for some other player to go, yeah, that ain't, that ain't working. And it didn't. That's <laughs> not going to help us. Now, to be fair, Mitch doesn't play defense. To be fair, at times, Mitch's receivers didn't help him at all. But Mitch also stunk last night, as did the Bears, who lost their fifth straight. 41-25 to final. But it wasn't really that close. It was 41-10 to at the end of three. And Aaron Rodgers continues his mastery of the Chicago Bears. Four touchdown passes. He made it look easy last night, mainly because it was, and 
the Bears lose their fifth straight. They're bad. They're just flat out bad. I know they're banged up. I know the offensive line is banged up. I know they missed Akeem Hicks last night. Okay? Missing one defensive tackle shouldn't make as big a difference as it did. The, the Bears' secondary looked foolish last night. The rookie Johnson got hemmed in on a tight end pass for a touchdown. Kyle Fuller, I don't know where he was, but usually not in the vicinity of a receiver. Rodgers had all the time in the world usually to throw. And Green Bay just absolutely decimated the Bears last night. And it makes one wonder, as 98-year-old Virginia McCaskey sits up there in that suite, how much longer the McCaskey family is going to tolerate this kind of mediocrity. Because the general manager of the Bears, Ryan Pace, has put together a very forgettable roster. I challenge anybody to come up with one player on that team that is untouchable, where you would say, oh, no, you can't get rid of him. Who would that be on the Bears? Oh, boy. Roquan Smith, maybe, the linebacker, just because he's young and you can kind of build around him. He obviously, number 52? Obviously, he got a lot of money invested in Khalil Mack, number 52, but he didn't do much of anything last night. I mean, they're just, they're a bad football team right now. Somehow, they're on the, you know, cusp of playoff contention at five and six. <laughs> wow. But that's that's pretty bad considering they were five and one six weeks ago. Mm. Had the best record in the NFC six weeks ago. Now they're five and six, and their only saving grace is that the Lions come to Soldier Field on Sunday. The Lions, who fired their head coach on Saturday. A lot of firings yesterday, huh? Oh, Matt Patricia. Thanks for playing our game. But, you know, we called that one last week on the act, Corey. We said he was going to lose the Thanksgiving game and then lose his job. And that's exactly how it unfolded. The Lions had no answers for Deshaun Watson and the Texans. And now the Texans get ready to play a Colts team that was also banged up yesterday. Danny Pinter, the young man out of John Adams High School here in South Bend, made his first career start on offense at center. But that offense couldn't get cranked up soon enough, and Tennessee beats the Colts by a count of 45-26. Colts defense really missed DeForest Bruckner yesterday. They really missed um, a couple of other defensive players. They had more people out than the Bears did, and it showed. Derrick Henry ran roughshod through that Colts defense, Tennessee's running back, 178 yards and three touchdowns. Ryan Tannehill did a great job of managing the game. And the Titans now find themselves in first in the AFC South, and the Colts are going to have to scrap to be a wild card team in that wacky AFC. So Titans are 8-3 and three now. 8-3. and 7-4, and four, and they got to scramble to be a wild card I, and I say that only because of if you look at the schedule of what's coming up for the Colts. Yes. They still have two games with the Texans, who are playing better these days, under Romeo Cornell. They still have to play Vegas. Uh, I think they have one more game with Jacksonville, which is fine. And I think the Colts still have to play Green... No, they have to play the Steelers. Okay. So... Yeah, that's tough. There, there are some tough games coming up. They're seven and four right now, but you could make a case that 
it's not it doesn't take much of a stretch of the imagination to think that that's going to be a 9 and 7 team and mm. if that's a 9 and 7 team then you're fighting to get in the playoffs in the AFC cuz the AFC's got some good records not that I can keep my eyes open for a Monday night football game, but who's playing tonight? Seahawks and Eagles, and I don't think you would have to stay up much past the first half. I think Russell Wilson will dominate that one, and the NFC least continues to be led by two four and seven teams. <laughs> so somebody in that group is going to get in the playoffs for, well, because them's the rules, but it's not necessarily fair. Let's segue into college football from over the weekend. Well, let's start with the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame who played on Friday against North Carolina. It was a ball game for three quarters, but what a job by the Irish defense after they get torched on the first two drives, and it looks like that game is headed for like a a 45-41 type of finish. Clark Lee's unit made some adjustments, completely took away the running game of North Carolina. Remember, we said on the program last week, You had to make North Carolina one-dimensional, and that's exactly what Notre Dame did. They took away the running game, turned Carolina into a a passing team only. They were able to get uh, great help from the safeties, good pass rush on Sam Howell, and Notre Dame walks out of there with a two-touchdown victory, 31-17. Kyron Williams, not his greatest day, but certainly a solid one. 100-yard effort again for the Irish running back, augmented by a late 47-yard run. And Ian Book continues to be impressive at quarterback. Uh, I think he's really taken a step up in his game in these last three games and is looking better as a quarterback. And, And now Notre Dame should have no problem with the home finale with Syracuse this weekend. Syracuse is a bad football team. Have to watch out a little bit when you go to Wake Forest in a couple of weeks. Dave Clawson always has his team play well, but everything is lining up for this December 19th rematch with Clemson down in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we'll see what happens there. Uh, did you watch any of the Irish on Friday? I did. I, did. I watched the entire game. What did you think? Uh, my wife, w- it was interesting because I remember saying this to you a number of episodes ago. She said, this is kind of a boring game. And I said, what would make it a great game? High scoring? She goes, yeah. And I said, well, I learned from a very reliable source of wisdom that uh, the defense is doing their job and keeping the score down. And I'd rather it be close than it be, you know, wasn't there a game earlier this season that was very lopsided? It just wasn't fun to watch when it's right. that lopsided. Yeah. So it felt like a healthy competition. Ian, you know, but let me ask you this. I, mm-hmm. This is a question I have for you on today's uh, podcast. Do you include Ian Book in the Heisman talk? I think you can make a case. Typically, they only have five finalists at most for the Heisman Trophy. Uh, I think, you know, Trevor Lawrence, you're going to put him in there. I keep hearing the name Kyle Trask. I, I have to be honest, I haven't watched Florida this year, but it sounds like he's having a great season. So, okay, put him in there. Um, the kid at Alabama, Mac Jones, having a terrific year. He's their quarterback. Typically, this award goes to quarterbacks. I would like to see that young man from Buffalo that racked up 400 yards last week and is having a phenomenal year rushing the football. You know, we've heard Michael Penix's name bantied around from IU. Is he having a better season than Ian Book? I don't know. Um, but I think Ian Book, 
you know, Brian Kelly took exception last week with an article that did not include Ian Book as one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the nation. I think earlier this year, if you wrote that article, you probably would have been accurate. But as the season has progressed and Book has developed this great relationship with Tommy Reese. So has he. And I think an understanding of the offense. Yes, so has he. And now he is one of the top 10 quarterbacks. And if he's one of the top five quarterbacks, he's probably going to get invited. Although I don't, the ceremony this year is virtual. So you're just going to get invited to sit in front of another Zoom call. But nevertheless, um, you could make a case. Now, the question is, is Notre Dame as good without Ian Book on the field? No, no, they're not. But find me a team that is in that situation with their starting quarterback. The last time the Irish had to play the same opponent twice in one season. Oh, golly. Been a while? Yeah. I, You know, typically bowl games try to avoid rematches. So I'm not – I would have to really look that one up because I'm not sure it's happened any time, maybe in my lifetime. Wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, Indiana was very solid. That's why they're number 10 in this week's AP poll. Hoosiers beat Maryland by a count of 24 to 11. Tom Allen's defense continues to play better. IU is 5-1, and one, and all of a sudden they find themselves back in the conversation about the Big Ten championship game, and here's why. Ohio State had its game earlier this season with Maryland, canceled because of COVID. Then last weekend... Ryan Day, the head coach of Ohio State, contracted COVID. Many of his players did. And Big Ten protocols not only required Ohio State not to play its game with Illinois last week, but you would think it's very dicey that the Buckeyes would play their game with Michigan State this week. Well, the Big Ten rules are that if... You have to play three-quarters of the average number of games played in your division. Well, if everybody else in the division winds up playing eight games and Ohio State doesn't play six, and right now they're on track to play five, then they would not qualify for the Big Ten championship. And so it would likely be Indiana and Northwestern in the Big Ten championship. Now here's the other question. Let's say it's Northwestern and IU in the Big Ten championship game. Would the college football playoff committee, which has none of these minimum game parameters, would they still select Ohio State as one of the top four teams in the country? And the answer to that is, I don't know. We may find out a little bit tomorrow because there's another one of the college football playoff committee rankings that will be released. And typically when ESPN does that show, they talk to a member of the committee, usually the president. And I'm sure that's one of the questions that has to be asked with what's going on with Ohio State right now. Are they coveting their way out of the college football playoff? Not how fair is that that you're comparing a team that will have only played say, five games during the regular season to a team like Cincinnati that looks like it's going to play a full schedule. I'm not getting a peaceful, easy feeling from that at all. 
Are you? It feels, doesn't feel right. Well, it doesn't feel just, right? You know, we, we look for justice. We look yeah. for fairness. How can you compare a team that went 11-0 and to a team that went 5-0? and But then you look at who Cincinnati has played, but then you look at who Ohio State has played and who Ohio State has played so far this year. Indiana is the best of those teams, and they struggle to beat them. So I don't know. I don't know what thoughts are running through the college football playoff committee's heads, but right now they're in a pickle when it comes to Ohio State. And for Indiana, they they still have some stumbling blocks before they would get to the Big Ten championship game. IU has to play Wisconsin, a team that's already ineligible for the Big Ten championship. They have to play them Saturday at 3.30. And then they have the old Oak and Bucket game on December 12th against Purdue. So it's not an easy road for the Hoosiers to get to Indianapolis on Saturday, December 19th. Purdue plays at uh, noon? Purdue will play at noon against Nebraska this Saturday. The Boilermakers lost to Rutgers in a very frustrating game, 37-30. Jeff Brom is the highest-paid public employee in the state of Indiana. And right now, he's got the same uh, winning percentage as a fellow named Danny Hope, who was considered a failure at Purdue a few years ago. Things started promising for Brom at Purdue. Remember, there was fear that he was going to go take the Louisville job two years ago because that's his alma mater. And Purdue threw a boatload of money at him to get him to stay, and he has, but they have not delivered. They lost their third straight. The play calling down the stretch of that game, I would say, was questionable. And unfortunately, it ruined a terrific day for Marion Xander Horvath, who ran for 101 yards. I don't know if you saw the play where he hurtled a tackler. I did not. Uh, just jumped right over him, which is impressive for a 6'3", 230-pound human being to do. <laughs> and he also, so he ran for 101 yards. He caught four passes for 61 yards. Here's a kid that was barely recruited coming out of high school uh, because everybody wanted to play him at linebacker. And he didn't want to play linebacker. He wanted to play running back. And Purdue took him at the last minute, and he has turned out to be a whale of a catch for the Boilermakers, their best running back here in 2020. So I was happy for him individually, but I also know he'd rather have the win, and guess what? So would most of the Purdue faithful. So the Boilermakers sitting at 2-3, and three, taking on a, a not-so-good Nebraska team this weekend here on Pulse. Vanderbilt fired their head coach, Derek Mason, over the weekend. Does Clark Lee get a phone call from Tennessee? Oh, I think he probably will. Clark Lee is the Notre Dame defensive coordinator. He is a Vanderbilt alum. He has a lot of contacts still at that school. You know, when Clark Lee, Clark Lee is one of these guys who's always trying to learn, always trying to improve, always trying to make himself better. So he went down and he talked with the baseball coach at Vanderbilt, Tim Corbin, who has had terrific success, has won national championships there, and talked to him about coaching and teaching. And so Clark Lee still has, as any alum would, a lot of contacts at Vanderbilt. The question would be, if I'm Clark Lee, 
yes, there's a love for alma mater and there's something special about the place or you probably wouldn't have gone there. And it's an it's a school in the SEC. It's also the school with the most difficult academic standards in the SEC by far. And one that really has no winning tradition whatsoever in football. So do you take that as your first collegiate head coaching job? Or do you say, you know what? My stock has gone up quite a bit here in the last two years. There are going to be some openings in the winter. There always are. Do I sit back and wait to see if something a little higher profile or a little better, and it wouldn't take much to be a little better than Vanderbilt, do I sit back and wait to see if something like that opens? How long has Clark been in South Bend? Well, he's been here three years now, two as the defensive coordinator. He came when he was on the staff at Wake Forest when Mike Elko, the defensive coordinator there, was summoned from Wake Forest to come to Notre Dame. And it was Elko who came and kind of got things re- recalibrated defensively first. He left to go to Texas A&M because A&M was throwing millions at him to be the defensive coordinator. And Clark Lee moved up and has done a terrific job. And, you know, as a coach, sometimes you have players swear at you. Sometimes they swear by you. In his case, they swear by him. And they really give Clark Lee a lot of credit for the improvement of this team. I saw our buddy Drew Tranquil over the weekend tweeted that Notre Dame has really right now the two best coordinators in his mind in college football. Hmm. Now, I think it's a little early. The jury would still be out on Tommy Reese on that. He hasn't even had a full season. But he's made, as we mentioned, he's made good progress with Ian Book. There's no question that Clark Lee is an outstanding defensive coordinator and one of the top DCs in college football. And he's going to be a head coach. The question is, will he be the head coach at Vanderbilt? Let's segue into basketball and congratulate Neil Ivey on her first win inside uh, inside the Compton. Well, the inside. Compton, sorry, Purcell Pavilion. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. <laughs> it's a Monday. Off to a rocky start on Friday. They went to Ohio University and lost their opener to a Mac school. And I know a lot of people on the 46 Sports Facebook page were up in arms about that. Couldn't believe that they'd lost to a Mac school and what's going on. Well, first of all, remember, the the program she inherited from Muffet McGraw is not the national championship program of two years ago. No, it's not. It's the one that went 14 and 19 last year. She also revealed on Wednesday after this show was over that she was going to be without five of her players for the game against Ohio University. Three of those due to injuries, and two were just listed as unavailable, and she didn't want to get into it, which likely means COVID in 2020. So they went to Ohio U with a depleted roster. They got in foul trouble, which is not something you can do when you have a depleted roster. Didn't play very good defense, played a good team out of the MAC, and lost. They lost by one point. So then they came home Sunday, and they had some of those players back in uniform, and Destiny Williams racked up 24 points. Uh, The freshman, Maddie Westbeld, played very, very well. She had 19. Abby Prohaska is back with this team, and that's good to see. And she was in double figures as well, and the Irish Crews passed Miami of Ohio 88-68. Let's see if Sam Brunell is back in the lineup. 
this week when the Irish take on Michigan because I think that's going to be a good acid test for this team. Michigan, a top 25 squad. The Irish were to begin the year. They probably won't be in this week's poll because of the loss to Ohio University. But a lot to see as this team develops going on. I will say this. At least they have a win under their belt. Now, to be fair to Mike Bray's squad, they have only played one game, and that one game was on the road Saturday night at Michigan State. But you cannot give up 26 nothing runs like the Irish did to the Spartans and expect to be in the game. And the final score of that game was very deceiving. It was Michigan State by 10, 80-70. But the Irish made up a lot of ground in the last three or four minutes when Tom Izzo had called off the dogs. Hmm. So... You just, and we talked about Tom this with Tom Noy when he was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Mike Bray put together this non-conference schedule because he believed his team could compete and could win. They didn't show that on Saturday. They looked lost. They looked outmanned. And they need to step it up a notch as they go forward, now they'll get a little easier game with Western Michigan in the home opener this week at Purcell Pavilion. That will help and maybe build some confidence, but they need to play better than what they did on Saturday night. In your notes here on the men's side, number 25, Michigan. Uh, Needed overtime to down Oakland, 81-71. That's the same Oakland team that plays Purdue tomorrow on Pulse FM. So that's not going to be an easy one for Matt Painter's squad. We'll see if the Boilermakers get Jaden Ivey back. Ivey had to miss the game on Thanksgiving night with a foot injury, and the Boilermakers wound up losing to Clemson. So hopefully um, Purdue will get back on the winning track tomorrow. Richmond upset Kentucky 70-64. There were three top 10 teams that lost over Thanksgiving weekend. So the one thing about college basketball, Corey, is the high level of unpredictability early in the season. Nobody has really even had a chance to see these teams practice or scrimmage. So coming out with a poll before the season is kind of pointless. But they did, and uh, we saw three of those top ten teams get knocked off. Now, Indiana plays today in the Maui Invitational. Hoosiers were very impressive last Wednesday night, but they were playing at home, and they were playing Tennessee Tech. This is a step up. You're playing a Big East contender in Providence you're playing on a neutral court in North Carolina. We'll see what Archie Miller's squad looks like today. Now, I was impressed, especially with the play of freshman Trey Galloway, the kid out of Culver Academy. I thought he was very strong on Wednesday night. Um, Trace Jackson looked very strong as well. He had a double-double. So can IU come out this afternoon? That is, by the way, a 2.30 start on 103.1 FM. Can the Hoosiers come out this afternoon and play with that same kind of execution level against a good Providence team? We've hit our list, my friend. Yeah, just on the high school scene, a reminder, Penn girls number one, Marion ranked number 12. That'll be our second game of the week, Friday, December 11th. This week, number 15, St. Joe, number 19, Adams. Neither one of them played last week. At Adams? Uh, It's going to be at Hathaway Shack at Adams, so that should be a fun one on Friday night. Overrated, underrated. A tweet from uh, one of our Twitter family members. He gave me two. I will let you choose between an artist or a movie franchise. Ooh, let's go with the artist. All right. 
Underrated or overrated, Kenny Rogers. Hmm. Pretty big in the 70s and 80s. Um, yeah. Big enough where he On could, the radio and in the theaters. Yeah, big enough where he and TV, wound actually. up with an acting career out of it, if yeah. you want to call it that. Um, of course, had the famous Kenny Rogers roasters immortalized by Kramer in Seinfeld. Um, had a pretty good career going with the first edition, too, before he became a solo artist. I'll say underrated. I feel like right down the middle. Yeah. I feel like right down where he's supposed to be in the... Uh... He had good crossover ability, too. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think most people think of Kenny Rogers as maybe a country artist, mm -hmm. but I don't think you could pigeonhole him as that. I dare say the uh, Kenny and Dolly Christmas record is one of the greatest of all time. I agree. Um you know, many people forget that high-quality NASCAR movie, Six Pack. I don't. Oh, no. Who could? <laughs> Who could? Even though I don't think we've ever included it in our uh, movie madness bracket <laughs> no. that we do from time to time. And then, of course, the uh, the song in the movie of the same name, The Gambler. That was probably as big as it got for Kenny Rogers. Yeah, pretty ginormous. And it was a huge, huge song. All right. Down the middle for me, you say underrated for Kenny Rogers. Yeah. Do you okay. have one of your own? Uh, I don't. I've got that franchise, but I'll save it for Wednesday. Oh, okay. Um, I'll throw one at you. Okay. Beyonce. <laughs> I, in my opinion, overrated. Overrated. I. That's one of the ones, too. And, of course, I'm not the target demo. Right. Uh, but I just I don't hear what the masses are allegedly hearing i don't see what they're seeing i see a lot of choreography and then that's fine but i i don't see the like destiny's child i definitely thought she was onto something right i i i was there during all that and played all those songs but the by herself i just don't i say overrated i i mean there's no question she's attractive Agreed. She does great job with her choreography. Agreed. We talked about this, I think, in the last show. Anybody who can sing and dance at the same time, you know, with all the athleticism that it takes. But I don't know that I sit there and I say, oh, I have to listen to a Beyonce song. Mm -hmm. That there's... Now, if it comes on the radio, do I switch the channel right away? No. But I I tend to agree with you. I just, I think she's overrated. I mean, do I see what people see in her? Yes. It's hard not to. She barely covers it. But uh, <laughs> that said, I think as a vocalist, I would say overrated. Yeah. Remember when she uh, hosted halftime at Super Bowl? It was, it was a, it was a shoulder shrug. It was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. A lot of fireworks and a lot of dancing. Okay. But the songs, I mean, I'm literally trying to even, uh, other than single ladies, that just right. shows my, I can't name another song off the top of my head. I know she was nominated for some stuff uh, recently, but I, I honestly can't remember. Yeah, I'll go overrated with you. All right. And uh, I'll throw another um, another relatively current act out there. Okay. Well, I, I guess it's current again because they're they're back out there again. The Jonas Brothers. 
Didn't you go to a Jonas Brothers concert once? <laughs> My daughter went to see the Jonas Brothers open for... You drove to a Jonas Brothers concert once. Opened for... It was a female group. Uh, Al AJ, big Disney oh, yeah. duo. And she got to meet the Jonas Brothers because her dad, you know. Know some people. Yeah. And then she went and saw them uh, recently, like two years ago in Chicago. I don't mind them. I mean, they've grown up. They're, they're, people are throwing awards at them or whatever. Would I go see them live? Probably not. No. No. But uh, overrated? And I find it fascinating that they're still around. I, I would say down the middle. I'll go down the middle with them. See, I'm not the target demographic, so I'm not sure I could even remotely evaluate them mm-hmm. um i do know that they've they've had some hits you know um and then didn't they didn't one of them go off as a single artist for a while uh two of them two uh, of them. the Who? youngest one went off as a solo artist the middle one went off with another group called dnce ah and that's the one that had the fabulous hit cake by the ocean that's right that was Huge a couple of years ago. It was huge. But, uh, but they're all back together again doing what they do. Um, I'm a sucker for you. That's not a bad song. I'm, 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 I'm still going to go slightly overrated. Okay. Just just to be the curmudgeon old man that I am. Yes. <laughs> you wear it well. I just wonder what John Sebastian Giger would think yeah, he, of the Jonas he'd Brothers. He'd really put some thought into that Yeah, while he's drinking his very special straw. Exactly. Was it called anything? No. Not the it Giver should be called, straw? It should be called the Giger. Giger. Hand me one of those. We're on Twitter, Sports Yak with two Ks. I see you on Twitter sometimes. Sometimes I'm there at 46 Sports. Mm-hmm. I'm there at My Name is Corey. Thanks so much. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Jean Sebastian G. Yeah! <laughs> We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.